Sermon number 664, Why Me, Lord, preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, November 4th, 1973. The text is Psalm 116, also the current popular song, Why Me, Lord, by Chris Christofferson. Psalm 116. In the King James Version, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me. And the pains of hell got hold upon me, I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I was brought low. And he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, All men are liars. Now what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant and the son of thy handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. That's a great song. And our sermon this morning has two texts. One, the ancient psalm, and secondly, a modern popular song. The ancient psalm answers the question which the modern song asks. The song was composed last year and it's become popular just recently. The answer was given nearly 3,000 years ago. 
The song you just heard read, the song you can hear any day these days while listening to a radio program that plays vocal music. Chris Christofferson is the composer of that popular song. If you're like me and remember the tunes but don't concentrate on the words, let me read the words of this quite biblical and yet up-to-date question. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? Tell me, Lord, what did I ever do that was worth loving you or the kindness you have shown? Second verse, try me, Lord. If you think there is a way I can try to repay all I've taken from you, maybe, Lord, I can show someone else what I've been through myself on my way back to you. And then that haunting chorus, Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it so, help me, Jesus, I know what I am. Now that I know that I've needed you so, help me, Jesus, my soul is in your hand. My soul is in your hand. <clears throat> That's the question which Chris Christofferson asked, and I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing the man's name rightly. I don't know anything about him except from what I hear. And as I understand his life, this is not the first time he has asked the question, Why me, Lord? Now, I understand a few years back from those who write and tell about this man that he asked that question different times before, but when he asked it before, it was with a different tonal inflection. It was after experimenting with all types of activities that promise to the young and to those of us who are not so young thrills and excitement and an artificial way of life, this particular young person found only disappointment and would cry out with tones and inflections of anguish and also in tones and in an attitude of rejection and dejection and with strong objection, he would cry, Why me, Lord? Much like our Lord, Jesus himself on the cross. Remember when for those few fleeting moments he recognized and identified with true humanity when he felt in the absence of God Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why? 
That's the way. Chris used to ask the question. And then something happened to him. Something, somewhere, somehow happened to him. He found Jesus. If you want to become more theological, he found the meaning of salvation. Which means he found Jesus. Or Jesus found him. He saw the light. Somehow, somewhere, through some messenger of the Lord, he got the Lord's message, and he became what we call converted. And he gave his life to Jesus. And for the first time, he begins to understand the simplicity of life as it was lived through Jesus Christ. And he allowed the miracle which Christ can perform in any heart to come in his heart, and he found his life saved. And now he asks the same question, but this time not with anguish and in agony and with great anger, but rather with a lifting amazement and astonishment. And you catch that from the chords of the music. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done to deserve even one of the pleasures I've known? You see, he was at that place where some of us are today. When through our conversion, when somehow, somewhere, we met Jesus, today we're not angry. We are astonished by the fact that out of all the people in the world, God has chosen us as individuals to be the recipients of his grace. That's amazing grace. And many of us are sitting here in this congregation or are listening to this preacher's voice and really on such a beautiful day we have nothing but thanksgiving in our heart and wonderment at why, as why God allowed his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. That does something to you when, when the impact of his grace makes sense to the pleasures of our lives. And many of us here this morning say with the Apostle Paul, who, or, or with the psalmist, who 3,000 years ago before this modern-day songwriter had, had the same experience, and, and he asked, what can I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me? And, and we're sitting here today so thrilled, so excited, so astonished by what has happened. We, we too are trying to say, what can I give unto the Lord for all of his benefits unto me? What can you give to God who has saved your life? 
What do you give unto that one who has everything? What do you give to the one who has created everything, even your own life? What can you give to the divine being who has saved you from self-destruction? What can you give to that one who has enabled you to save yourself from the sin of self-centeredness and selfishness, which if it had had allowed to continue in your life would have killed and destroyed everything and everyone beautiful around you? What can you give? A little one who has saved your marriage, your children, has restored maybe your sickness that has come with a weak body. What can you give unto that power that has saved your sanity and given you something more than just despair? by giving you hope and faith and a belief in yourself and in other people and in God. What can you give him? Not a thing. For no matter what we give, we find that the hymn has it accurately. We give thee but thine own, whate'er our gift may be. I hope I'm not disillusioning, disillusioning anyone, but don't you see the point? For this God who has given us everything, including a beautiful day on this, this fourth day of November, who has given us this church, who has given this loved one who is sitting beside you to be one who loves you and whom you can love, what can you give unto this God? There's not a single solitary thing that you can give without first that gift having come from him. You can't give unto God. But the psalmist does tell us that though we cannot give, there are some certain things that we can do to show our appreciation for the one who enables us to say, Why me, Lord? Why? The first thing the psalmist says that we can do is take. We can take the cup of salvation. That cup of salvation which God offers, we can take it and grab it with our own hands, with our own thoughts, and with our own hearts. Grab it. Take it. And drink every drop that is in the cup of salvation. Do you realize that the greatest slight and the most dishonor that can come to any giver is when his gift is rejected or neglected? <coughs> We've all known this, have we not? Which one of us has not fought hard, worked long, spent much to go out and purchase a gift and give that gift 
in love only to have that gift completely neglected or rejected. That breaks our heart, doesn't it? Which parent among you has not suffered and sweat so that your children could have and then they have neglected to take and use that which you have fought and wrought for them. That's what puts lines on our faces and heaviness in our hearts. Can you imagine what it does to God? When he gave us, he gave us his only begotten son to express his love. And then we refuse to accept him as the Son of God and the Savior of sin. What do you think God feels like when over 1,000 years he took to inspire people to put into the Bible his words, which he wanted for our edification and use? He wanted these to serve as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He has given us his word. And some of us don't even have the decency to take it into our hands, let alone into our minds and into our hearts. Now, what do you think that does to God? God gave to the world nearly 2,000 years ago the power and the presence in the person of his Holy Spirit. Yet the Holy Spirit is working on some of you this very moment. And you're trying your darndest to fight him off. What do you think that does to God? If you're really grateful for your salvation, take that salvation, use it, drink every drop from that cup that shall never run dry. That's why God has given it to us, and if we are really grateful and thankful, we just don't say it with our words, we take these gifts which he has given and for which we cannot pay or even repay, and use them, use them every day. When God says that in Jesus Christ I have forgiven you, then for goodness sake, when in sincerity and honesty you confess your sin unto him and you get up off your knees, accept his forgiveness and quit walking around with some type of unjustified guilt which is causing you to play all sorts of games so that no longer you nor anyone else recognizes you. Grab hold of that cup of forgiveness. When God said that he can give unto us faith, faith that can move mountainous problems, then for goodness sake grab hold of that cup and quit tripping over little mount hills of disappointment. When God through Jesus Christ tells us not to be anxious about tomorrow, then let's quit worrying about those things over which we have no concern really and have absolutely no control. When God says, in my Father's house are many mansions, let's believe it. 
and live in the power of the resurrected Lord. When God says all things I can work through and bring good from all things, then why are we so heavy laden when things do not work out the way we would like to see them? We may not understand it at the time, but grab hold of that cup of salvation and drink from the fruit of that vine which says that though I do not understand it, God is working and God will never allow me to go through more than what I can endure. So many of us are living spiritually crippled lives, not because the gift is not offered, but because we refuse to grab that cup of salvation with our hands, our thoughts, and the feelings of our hearts. If you're truly grateful, God just doesn't want you to say thank you all the time. He wants you to grab that cup of salvation and drink every drop that you can. The cup will never run dry. That's one thing you knew. Second thing is, the psalmist says, I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll not only take the cup of salvation, take it, but I'll call upon the name of the Lord. You see, and that, that's why God has saved you through Jesus Christ. It's so that you can be in communication with him daily. You see, God did not save you just to occasionally hear from you like at Christmas and Easter. He called you so that he could communicate with you today and every day, everywhere and anywhere. God expects to hear from you and from me. You see, Jesus said, Ask and you will receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. But he did not indicate that we were to ask anyone or seek anywhere or knock on any door. No, we are to seek the Lord, ask the Lord, knock on the Lord's door, and it will be open unto us. God expects to hear from us when we're happy and when we're sad, when we have a problem and when we don't have a problem. When we have something on our mind and when we have nothing on our mind except an attitude of gratitude. God expects to hear from us when we feel on top of the world and when we feel like the world is on top of us. He wants to hear us from us. He wants us to call upon his name, not only in thanksgiving, but for help. A little boy one day was out trying to clean up the backyard. He came upon a great big rock and it was hard for him to move. What he did do, he took, he took a bar and he tried to pry it, he tried to push it, he tried to pull it, and he went to his father and said, Dad, I've tried everything under the sun, and I cannot move that. I've tried everything. You've tried everything, said the father? Yes, I have. No, you haven't, replied the father. What do you mean I haven't? You have not asked for your father's help. Call upon the name of the Lord. That's what God wants. And then there's something else. The psalmist said, in response to, Why me, Lord? 
I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I will pay my vows to the Lord now in the presence of all his people. I hope no one here this morning feels that he had his arm twisted to enter this or any other church, because that's just not so. No one asked you to take that vow without giving you the opportunity to back out if you wanted. And you see, I tell you this because vow-taking is a very serious business, we are taught by the New Testament, so serious that we should carefully analyze the vow before we say simply our yea or our nay. Because, you see, though we may sometimes doubt the word of God, God never doubts our word, our word. We may question the wisdom and the word of God, but, you see, God never questions our word. We may not believe God's word to us, but God always believes us. You understand that? And when you stood in the front of this church and said, I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of my sin, and I promise, I promise to be his life, his disciple to my life's end, God believed you when you took that promise. Maybe you didn't believe you, but God did. Maybe you didn't understand it, but God heard you and he believed you. When you said that I promise to make diligent use of the means of grace, God heard you and he believed you. When you promise to share in the worship and the service of the church, God heard you and he believed you. And when you promised in this or some other church, give a portion of your substance as God may prosper you. You promised, and God heard you. And if you're really grateful for the salvation which is yours, you will pay those pledges now to the Lord in the presence of all his people. I know some here this morning don't quite understand what I'm trying to say, and that is perhaps because you are still asking the question the first way. Why, Lord, why, with anger and anxiety and, and with anguish, you are wondering why you are being persecuted. But there are others of you here, I know it, who have found the salvation by the letters that I am receiving if I read them correctly and listen to those comments rightly that you are making, some of you have found Jesus even just recently. Something's happening in your life. Your cup of salvation is being filled this very moment. Now, if you are in that moment of astonishment and wonderment and thanksgiving for what has been given unto you, and you are saying, Why, Lord? Why these pleasures to me? Take your cup of salvation. Call upon the name of the Lord and pay the vows which you have made unto the Lord now.
You won't be giving anything back to God, but you will be doing something, that thing that he wanted all of us to do when he gave us his son. Amen. Lord, help me, Jesus. I've wasted it so. Help me, Jesus. I know what I am. Now that I know that I needed you so, help me, Jesus. My soul is in your hand. My soul is in your hand. Praise ye the Lord. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of his Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore. Amen.